Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you candy. Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna Okay, here we go. Welcome to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. Yay! We're happy to be here. Uh, we're in the middle of the Kraken playoff run. The Mighty Mariners are trundling along. Uh, I'm Tom Douglas. And I'm Jerry Rotiro, the chef in the hat, and the Kraken are going to the f- They're in playoffs. the playoffs. They won their first game already. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was going to uh, say they're going to the final, but that was... Let's take it easy. Let's take it easy, chef. <laughs> Calm down, chef. You look mighty fine today. So do you. Yeah, I hear from your sickness or your illness that you're dealing with that you have to... The doctor said, hey, buddy, lose some weight. And I am on my way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw you eat that blueberry muffin, though. Should I tell him? You know what? Should I call your That's doctor? That's what I like about my life right now. I'm losing weight, so I can actually perk up sometimes. <laughs> Those little perks We're happy to have fabulous. a bountiful live audience join us this morning for breakfast here at the Hot Stove. If you want a ticket, just go to hotstovesociety.com and buy yourself one. 25 bucks gets you hot coffee, breakfast, and a, and a beatdown from Annie Elmore, our chef. She's not speaking to me this morning. I had to, I had to chase her down for a blueberry muffin, just even a, like a little and bite of it. you stole her muffin, so that's the end of that. Uh, we have a big show today, two full hours. Stay with us. We think you're probably in your gardens, your spring gardens. Maybe. Maybe, maybe in your kitchen making a braised uh, lamb shoulder. That's what I had for dinner mm. the other night. It was delicious. Or oh, some beautiful black bean soup like I did yesterday. That was, yeah. mm. it's still, we're still in that weather pattern where we're like, when is this going to go away? I'd like to get into my salads. I know. I made ham soup from the leftover Easter ham, and I just want to eat it now. It's yeah. in the freezer, but I want to eat it now because it yeah. feels appropriate. Uh, we have several uh, public classes coming up that you might want to check out. Cinco de Mayo on 426. And which, uh, no, uh, it's on Cinco de Mayo. Cinco well, de Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> What's it say? It says, oh, gnocchi class. Gnocchi's on 426. <laughs> and Cinco de Mayo on Cinco de Mayo with Chef Bridget Charters. And mixologist Julie Ross. Nice. I love nice. that. My guess, there might be some margaritas. I think. Yeah. Uh, Duke Moscrip is here from Duke Seafood and Heather Anderson of Damsel Cellars. They're going to visit to talk to us about saving salmon. As uh, many of our listeners know, we have been celebrating in the recent EPA, uh, what's the word I want? Decision. Stoppage decision uh, on Pebble Mine up there in the headwaters of Bristol Bay. Uh, we worked super hard on that for the last 15 years. And as I like to say, the fight is never going to be over. There's trillions of dollars of gold and copper in the headwaters there. And we're going to have to fight this for the rest of our lives and our children's lives. Just and to- you can go to Eva's Wild to uh, check out their um, upcoming fundraiser coming up in a, couple, yeah. in a week or two. On the 26th, as a matter of fact. On the 26th, I get, yes. I get back from New York at 4.15, and I'm supposed to be there at 5.15. <laughs> so we'll see oh, how well, that goes. There is goes. no traffic from the airport to Seattle. <laughs> We're going to talk about our commitment to Earth Day, reducing food waste with three different healthy practices. Pamela, you're going to take us through that, right? Cause, okay. Yeah, why not? Cheap tricks to do with condiment oils. You know, one of my favorite oils to use these days we love buying that marinated goat cheese in the jar, that oh, soft, that is spreadable perfect. goat cheese. Yeah. And it's just packed in olive oil with peppers and peppercorns. And, yeah. So, uh, and it's just saute with it. It's delicious. We're going to talk about our favorite tricks with that. Tiffany Lewis, founder of Tiffany's Cookies. Cookies with Tiffany. Cookies with Tiffany. She's already here in the audience. I love it. Thanks, Tiffany, for coming. And I see just like there's a little bag underneath my counter here that <laughs> might have some treats in it. And then uh, finally, Pam, let's wrap up our uh, ask for people. You know, we have my beautiful uh, mother's beautiful stove here in our kitchen. 
And we are asking our listeners if, uh, to join our contest. What's that all about? Well, we're honoring home-cooked meals. Mm-hmm. And at the center of that is stoves. So we want to see a picture of what you're cooking on and maybe what you're cooking. So or maybe you, what your parent cooked or on. Or your parent yeah. cooked on. And so if you send me a picture, you're entered into a drawing for the staycation here at the very elegant Hotel Andra. Mm-hmm. And then you can come to breakfast and the show and have wow. dinner at one of our restaurants. Holy moly. Oh, it's all to, included? Wait. It's all, all included. All inclusive? For the window. And, and all, you have to do, <laughs> all you have to do is tell them your favorite recipe? You have to send a picture. Send a picture of the send stove. Send a picture? Of the stove where you cook all yeah. your deliciousness. That sounds easy. May all 5th right. is Maybe the deadline. Do it with where your... do you send all this? Pamela H. at TomDouglas.com. All right. Perfect. You can enter, Terry. We got one with the, uh, from uh, Betsy over at Seattle Caviar with the Frigidaire Flare. Yes, it has flair. Oh, my God. It was the coolest Double thing. Double-decker. Do you have that? You raised your hand? No. No, no, no. Okay, I thought maybe someone no, here in the... she has a the, light in her Check face. out online the Frigidaire flare, or maybe Pam will post the picture, but it is super it's cool. It's fun. Your taste of the week, chef. My taste of the week is going to be uh, actually something to do with something completely different than the taste. It has to do with Shark Garden, who just had a, an incident. Uh, their, their, what do you call that? A shed? No, it's more than a shed. It's a... A big place. A greenhouse. Where, a greenhouse where they were growing and they were having all the plants for their plant cell on the 28th of this month. And uh, unfortunately, it burned down uh, oh. 24 hours ago. And uh, they have started the GoFundMe recovery. So go to GoFundMe and uh, GoFundMe for Shark Garden Recovery and you'll find the, the place to go. But more importantly, uh, if you have any extra plant in your garden or anything that you want to help with, this is a volunteer-based kind of place. And they do a fabulous job. They're located in Billion. More importantly, also, they are supplying a high school uh, for special need kids right next door so and they also they're supplying produce they for produce it. Yeah. The, the produce that got burned down actually were meant and defined to be grown for food banks and for mm-hmm. you know different places like this so it's a great great place and um tyron over there does a fabulous job and i just if you have um, either two hands to help in the garden or a little cash to send to go find me please help well we as a radio show she's been on a few times so we'll yeah. do Let's do as a radio show, Pam, well, $500 she's gonna towards that. She's going to be on next Sounds week. Good. I already spoke with her. Okay, so good. So we'll have yeah. her on next week. So will you take care of that? So I yes. Don't, I, yeah. 500 bucks to... And it's S-H-A-R-K Garden. Correct. Right? Shark Garden. And then if you if you go to GoFundMe and you just put Shark Garden Recovery, you'll find a place to go and donate some money. I already gave 250 bucks this morning just to start the... Nice. Because I want to help. Yeah. So anything help. My taste of the week is... Um, you know, we had the folks on from Milpa Masa last week. Oh, yeah. That uh, make their own fresh, nixtamalized masa over in West Seattle. Did you go so, there? I didn't go there, but I have ordered the 10 pounds of masa to make uh, a house bread for the New Palace Kitchen. Uh-huh. Right now, we're doing a beer bread, uh, but I really fell in love with that loaf of bread that they brought. It was delicious. And I like it in the, that particular loaf was too spongy for me for what I want, uh, like a dinner, savory dinner service that right. I want to do. But I'm so looking forward to playing with all the fresh blue masa that they've made. And I'm excited. I think we're going to kick some butt on blue masa cornbread. People are going to fall in love with BK. it. Everyone that tasted it last week said like, whoa, wow. because it had yeah. so you know much what? corn character. Well, that was the thing, right? It was yeah. just, it just, just smelled so fragrant with 
corn, yeah. which is unusual for any sort of and corn And by the product. way, a quick side note, the palace is reopening this weekend, right? Yeah, let's say next weekend. Next let's week. Give us a little, next weekend. Let's give us a little time to figure yeah. things out. Don't all come up this weekend. Wait till next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Duke Mosscript is here. Heather Anderson is here. We're going to talk about saving, or not saving, but certainly helping uh, wild salmon uh, with uh, by selling food and wine together on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. All right, we're back in the hot stove kitchen on Cairo. What a lively group we have today. How's that blueberry muffin out there? So good. Annie's going to get a big head. As you guys swoon for her muffins. Uh, we're joined by Duke Mosscript of Duke's Seafood and Heather Anderson of Damsel Cellars to visit and talk about uh, saving wild salmon with wine. Duke, long time no see. Good to see you. Considering we're in the same business, you would think we would cross paths more often, but I see your chef more than I see you. He's worth it. He's big. <laughs> he's the one that's, he's <laughs> the one that's doing the job. <laughs> How's your life? Tell us about Dukes. What's going on? Well, first thing, I, I, we'd like to uh, contribute $500 ourselves. To, oh, that's to nice. Garden. To Shark Garden? Yeah. Two oh, in wow. a row. $500. Way to go. Bravo. Thank you so much, Duke. You bet. Pam will do that for you, but I would check her math. Okay. She gets 500 and 5,000 mixed up once in a while. When Tom gives, he always go, wait, did I say 500 and 5,000? They're just zeros. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, good. Thank you. Well, tell us about Dukes and what's going on. Well, we've really worked hard on uh, surviving. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so far, so good. Yeah. Uh, and I know you have, too. And, Terry, uh, it's a tough business. Um, and... We've really focused uh, a lot, and I've been doing this probably for 35 or 40 years, uh, working on sustainability, particularly salmon. And a lot of people don't realize, and I, and I support you know, this whole movement to, to stop the pebble mine. Mm-hmm. But in the Northwest, this is amazing, but, and most people don't even know this, that we've actually lost 95% of the wild salmon resource in the Pacific Northwest. Right. 95%. I mean... The that's, Columbia, close to, that's close to extinction. It is. Well, the, and, and we're headed there unless we do something drastic. So you know, in the Columbia River, this is a scientific fact. There used to be 12 to 16 million wild salmon that came up the river every year to spawn. Every year, 12 to 16. You know how many we have now? 300,000 wild salmon. And it's, and it's dwindling. dwindling. Oh, of course, of course. And there are at least, the scientists, you know, I've studied this a little bit, and there's f- at least 52 spawning grounds in the Columbia Basin where there are no salmon coming back to spawn. You know, I'm working hard to, to do what I can. Uh, we're having a big fundraiser next week on the 27th uh, to give money to three organizations to uh, save our wild salmon, uh, Wild Fish Conservancy, and Long Live the Kings. And oh, yeah. they'll, they will split the proceeds, and they do great work. They do fabulous work, all three of them. Yeah, I've worked with them for many years, and they're very reliable and trustworthy, and they do really great work. I mean, they figured out a way to go back to one of the Wild Fish Conservancies, gone, gone back to where the, the, the natives used to use these baskets right. to, to capture the fish. And so what they and and so they never lose any fish, and they're able to separate the hatchery fish from the wild. And they got to get the now they got to get the fishermen in the Columbia River to go along with this. And you actually, you could do it in any river. And it's 
It's incredible. I mean, it's absolutely incredible because if we're trying to save wild salmon, let's eat the hatchery fish and let the wild salmon go up and spawn. Right. All kinds of things is, like that. You have a big flag to carry around. <laughs> I know. Very. So it's a lot of work, and it's, I mean, we've all been dedicated to want to save salmon as well, and I think it's a, it's a huge amount of work. It's progressing. Well, it's a, you know, it's there, the are, most, there are signs of progress. It's the most complicated thing I've ever in, it, it been right. involved in. I mean, it, it involves hatcheries and hydropower and, it, you know, breaching these dams, the lower Snake River dams, which and, we need to do. And the agriculture to change their, you know, the position in chemicals and everything that runs off into the river. And there's so much involved. It's, it's a very huge, huge task. It is. And we're, and we're actually going to start a public affairs campaign um, because it's ne- never been done where we educate the public and educate the politicians and the government agencies because they're spreading basically lies about what's going on. So the general public doesn't have any idea that we're really actually losing these salmon. If you ask the general, I have friends of mine who, who tell me the Columbia River is doing great. Not doing great. It's doing horrible. <laughs> and yet the government agencies can spread these rumors about, oh, everything's just fine. Right. You know, and you can't take the dams down because we need the power. Well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. You can take the, those Snake River dams down, and you could substitute the power. We need a new source well, of power. It's a PR. It's a PR situation. It yeah. really is, yeah, and that's why of, there is a lot of money involved everywhere. So, sure. you know, when money is involved, it's very hard to move things around. Well, what people don't understand is that the Bonneville Power Administration, and I'm not trying to pick on them, but they've spent 24 billion dollars on the salmon recovery and, and, and restoration portion, not, not just power, but just on salmon. And we're losing salmon. I mean, it's, it's tragic. It's, it doesn't make any sense. For, especially for something that's so reproducible. Like right. One of the great things about Bristol Bay up in Alaska is you can, you can see, even taking 30 million fish a year through the fishery, you can see that, you know, 30, 40, 50 million coming back at a time. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is very impressive. 60, over 60 this year. Uh, they're, yeah, they're, they're expecting a smaller run. A lot has to do with you know drought and this and that, but sure. but you you know what can, people can do the smallest things like there's lots of different areas and groups that are going out to add shade native shade trees to river sure. bends oh, yeah. so that they have a way uh, to a place to rest in the cool water on the way down the stream. Right. You know, there's just little things you can do. You, you don't have to take out. You don't have to be the person to take out the dam. You can go plant a tree sure. and help the salmon. Yeah, we've, we've had our entire staff out uh, planting trees on the Snoqualmie River. We quit doing it during the COVID, and, and start we're taking, starting again. Yeah. Start taking some land back away from the river so it becomes non, you know, no cultivation on going on there. Yeah, so we you were have just, no chemical. No. We were just at the Tolt River yesterday um, and looking at the restoration of the habitat there. They, they did a really big you know, wonderful project, you know, to, you know, just help the salmon. So you're joined here today by uh, Heather Anderson of Damsel Cellars. Nice to see you, Heather. Thank you. Good morning. She makes tasty wine. She has tasty wine. She makes tasty wine. (laughs) Tasty wine. I like that. Welcome. What's your interest in the salmon in the salmon world? Uh, Good question. So I have had an interest in sustainability for many years in my corporate work before I started working with the winery. Um, I had a really big interest in environmental sustainability and got familiar with the statistics around water quality and salmon and all of the things that are required for a healthy ecosystem. And salmon being one of the keystone species, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, it supports over 132 other species and helps sustain them. So 
once you start learning about how important the salmon are, then you realize if, if we don't get that piece right, then we don't have healthy land. We don't have lovely vineyards and all those things that come together as a result of having a healthy uh, fish stock population. I mean, they can trace salmon DNA up through the, up through the roots of trees and th- things like that. I mean, yeah. it does support so many things. That's right. When they come up and, and they spawn and they die off, the nitrogen from their bodies nourish all of the riverbanks and the, the trees and bushes and all the things that are required for the bugs. The so, eagles. Yes, the eagles, the bears. So there's, there's yeah. a lot of things that depend on them. And it's a I've, full circle of life. It is. So how does that uh, reflect into your winery? Good question. Uh, so my husband and I became involved with Damsel Sellers and Mary Womack about seven years ago. Uh, we became investors and big sponsors of everything that she does to make wine. And um, in terms of sustainability, as I was mentioning with the salmon, the vineyards really require healthy soil. So that kind of comes back to if you have the healthy soil and healthy vineyards, the fruit is what makes amazing wine. And so having amazing fruit uh, makes beautiful wines. And of course, we have a wonderful winemaker, Mary Womack, who makes amazing wines herself. And so I met uh, Duke and John Mosscrip uh, through a mutual friend, Pat Monahan with Train, um, who happens to be a neighbor and friend of ours. And Duke and John wanted to do an in-house wine for Dukes. And Pat connected us and we started working together. And we realized we had this mutual interest in saving salmon and we thought, well, this is perfect because we can do a benefit wine that the proceeds go towards these organizations that help save the salmon. And that's kind of how it all started. That's super awesome. And you're going to put on a big soiree uh, in, a, in a week or so. And so when we come back on the other side of this uh, commercial break, let's talk about the soiree. Who's going to be there? What kind of food can we expect? My guess is there's a little bit of salmon on the menu. Uh, and people think, like, why are you serving salmon if they're so endangered and that's really the point is you you have to create an economy around these fish and fisheries so that you can keep the jobs and keep you know the traction going or people are going to choose other things to do whether it's uh, golden copper in the bristol bay headwaters or whether it's uh, farming or logging here in or power here in uh, 48 lower 48 so that's when we come back on cairo radio it's the hot stove society show Just getting their delicious Spain-inspired breakfast. We have chorizo. We have garlic ruby chard. We have a Spanish tortilla with potatoes, onions, and eggs. And how is it? We're getting nods. And nobody's talking because their mouths are full. Thank you for that. We like to see you eat it but not chew it. Uh, we're still here in the kitchen with uh, owners of Damsel Cellars, which is uh, Heather Anderson. Of course, Duke Mosscrip is here from Duke's. And they're joining up with Trains Pat Monahan to help protect and restore Pacific Northwest wild salmon populations with a new wine called Up River Red, which you wouldn't expect. You think salmon, you think more white or pinot, but 
Uh, this is a Cabernet, it looks like. And uh, tell us about the wine and how people can buy it. Okay, well, Upriver Red is predominantly a Cabernet Sauvignon, and we sourced it from Candy Mountain AVA, which is one of the newer AVAs in Washington State. Yep. In fact, the 16th of 20. Uh, it's the smallest AVA and one of the hottest sites. Just What is uh, an AVA? Tell our American Viticultural uh, Appalachian. 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 Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so the wine itself is Cabernet Sauvignon, 85%. And then we have a little bit of Malbec from Candy Mountain and then a splash of Merlot. Mm-hmm. So that rounds it out quite a bit and gives it some tannins. So it'll go with the fat and the salmon. But it also, uh, we had it in a French oak program. About 50% French oak and 50% neutral. And the French oak gives it a little bit more of the spice characteristics. Mm-hmm. So think sage, think a little bit of cedar. Um, and so that might go really well with maybe a cedar plank salmon. Or even on the other end of things, you could do a, a brown butter sage. Um, you could do a blackberry compote. So there's a lot of things that you can put in the salmon. You could and do that a, fat wonderful, a wonderful Cabernet reduction. You could, yeah. That'd be delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're right. Uh, Cabernet you don't traditionally think of with salmon, but the way that you prepare it could really be a wonderful combination. Yeah, of course. Uh, and so how does this work? Somebody comes to one of your restaurants, Duke, and uh, they see this wine and they can purchase it with their dinner, or is it more of a take-home or what? No, it's a purchase with dinner. Okay. We haven't gone any further than that. Uh, we hope it'll work. Well, you, and, uh, yeah, exactly. I think, I think ju- Tom just started it. Yeah. You can also buy it and take it home. Well, you could, yes. Yeah. yeah. But we don't have a lot of production, so we're going to have to get Heather to make more wine, I think. I like that. Here we go. It's always a, it's a, it's a good problem to have. And it's really surprisingly drinkable for this young. You know, the Cabernets are better when they're, you know, sure, have some sure. time. We had tasted it yesterday. Oh, my God. It was, it was delicious. So you know, somebody comes in and they buy a glass, for, I don't know, 15 bucks, we'll just say off the top, I don't know what it is, yeah. but they buy a glass for 15 bucks, and how much goes to? A dollar. dollar. Per glass. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Basically, we're trying to get the profit sure. from all this. You, know. sure, right. sure. you have a soiree coming up that's sold out, apparently, uh, so our, get, our listeners have to wait till next year. Next year. But uh, <laughs> tell us about what you're going to be doing there and how much fun people are going to be having. Yeah, so we are having a sit-down dinner. It's a very small venue, and it's our first year, so we sold out pretty quickly right out of the gate and we are going to have chef's tables and all sorts of different seafoods we'll be presenting our first uh, public release of the wine which is really exciting so Mary Womack will be there to help pour the Upper River Red and then we're going to have a, an acoustic performance by Pat Monahan of Train who is also involved in this project with us so it'll be a really nice intimate concert and uh, we'll talk a lot about saving salmon. Oh. Uh, is he going to sing? Isn't doesn't he do like Tears of Jupiter or something like yep. that? Yeah, isn't that his big the big train Dro- song? Yeah, Drops of Jupiter Drops and of Jupiter. Soul Sister. And he lives right here. I didn't. I guess I didn't even know that. He does. He lives in Issaquah, which mm-hmm. is how we met him. We happen to live on the same street, and we have kids of similar age. So wow. through COVID, we got to know each other really well, and we both realized how much we love drinking wine mm-hmm. and singing at the same time. Yeah. Which they go yeah. well together. Yes. <laughs> Have you been down to the creek in Issaquah to watch the salmon come back during like Issaquah salmon days? Or We wouldn't miss it. Okay. That is one of our favorite things to do with our family and watch them come up. My husband goes almost every day to see how much progress they've made coming <laughs> back up. I know sometimes you feel like you can see the same fish still kind of wiggling its way. But it's, if, if you've never done that at Car Keek or out in Issaquah or wherever wild salmon are coming back, it is beautiful. Uh, it's almost life-changing in a way this, to watch the struggle and to, to know that they're just going up, upstream to die, well, but at the same time live, you know, preserve their way of life. I think it's also a fortune we have here as 
there's not many places in the world like this. This is a rarity, and it's still happening, mm-hmm. even though you know they're in they're in they're in very uh, it's under pressure. It's under yeah. pressure, but it is a fortune we have that we can go and see something like that because that doesn't exist in a lot of places. You know, seeing all these thousands of fish coming back up the river is not a common thing anywhere else on the planet. So you, you owe it to yourself to go to Issaquah and, and, you know, take the kids, more importantly. Teach them. Mm-hmm. You can teach the kid. You can't teach the parents, but you can teach the kid. <laughs> Speaking of teaching your kids, your kid's here in the audience. Uh, I would imagine that he is a salmon supporter uh, through your own DNA. I know my daughter. is. She's got stickers all over her car for the sure. Stop Pebble Mine. And it's like, hmm, she's never even been there. But I, I love how you're passing that down. Oh, yes. Yeah. John is a, a big, big fan of sustainability and restoring salmon. It is in the DNA. And even my daughter. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, she, she's a writer. She, uh, she writes all of our emails and, and blogs. And, uh, uh-huh. and she's a, got a very keen interest in, in restoring salmon. Uh, Heather, uh, where did you find your passion for this? I know you said you've always been into sustainability, but... This is a little bit more. It's, salmon's almost become a political issue, right? Yes. Whether it's from the locals who don't want you to eat it because the orcas, southern orcas, need it, or whether it's a political divide over the dams, or whether it's oh, the, our, seal. the EPA <laughs> or our president's going back and forth on the Bristol Bay headwaters. Uh, how did you come to this project? Oh, well, the project just came about because of being neighbors with Pat, who was getting involved with helping uh, Duke out. And they, when we realized we all really liked um, saving salmon in the environment, it just became a natural fit. Um, but I've also really been enthusiastic about climate technologies. Uh. And when you, th- I happen to sit on another board that's about uh, accelerating climate technologies. And when you look at some of the technologies that are coming into play for saving salmon, the hard technologies by the dams, the fish sorters that Duke was mentioning, there's a lot of really cool things. Mm-hmm. That are going on to help save salmon. So that combination of the technology, the climate, and the wine <laughs> all coming together was really a, a kind of a nice way to, to layer my passions. Mm-hmm. We always say we have a lot of very smart people out there that can save us, but it definitely needs some work. So it's, it's going to take everybody to get involved. Can't ignore some of it. You have to be all in. Yep, I totally agree. Duke, do you have any idea what you're serving at your soiree? Salmon. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting. We, we don't buy any salmon from the Northwest. All of our salmon comes from Alaska. Right. Alaska is the only state that has sustainability written into their constitution. Right. And they do manage it really well. Um, and we just wouldn't dare to, to buy any salmon from Washington or Oregon or California. Right. Well, it's just, it's tough. It's tough. It's not, uh, the commercial fisheries around here are yeah. very difficult. Yeah, and they just banned uh, the king salmon fishing on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, to protect them. I mean, they're, they're, right. they're doing something smart. Yeah. As tough as that is for fishermen, we have to Well, we, we have pushed it too far, so now we have to retrieve. So it takes to stop the train and reset the tires and then go back on the rail again. There you go. Well, hopefully yeah. some of the snowpack in California will help restore some of the... Uh, I mean, I think they're really pointing at the drought over the last four or five years oh, as yeah. being the big issue for the return of the fish and getting the f- eggs to be able to hatch downstream. And yep. yeah, It's a super interesting topic. Uh, if you're out there and you're listening and you feel politically divided about this, it's, uh, it's really about humanity and you think about it from that perspective and uh, start making your decisions based on your humanity right. and saving this the species uh it'll help clear your mind i think it certainly did mine so yep, I yeah agree. 
Thank you, Duke. From yeah, thank you so much, Seafood. and best of luck. Thank you. Thank you, Heather, from uh, Damsel Winery. We appreciate your efforts in the, in the marketplace trying to solve some of these problems. Thank you. All right. Chef. Yes, sir. It's Earth Day, you know, appropriately. Earth Day reminders when we come back. Pamela Hinckley's going to lead us through this segment because she is our Earth Mother. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Time. We love this time of the week. Chef Terry and I get to visit for two straight hours. That's right. Pamela's here on the producer chair, and Sean McFadden is here in the technical director chair. Although, Sean, you don't really get a chair, do you? You're like us. He, He's busy. He stands through the show, moves around a bit. Thank you for those of you watching on YouTube right now. Yes. Or later this week. We appreciate you. Remember, if you're on YouTube, and since we're taping the show, you're welcome to ask Sean questions over the chat. Maybe we can get a few answers in there, either on the show or in between the commercials. Pamela, uh, Earth Day is coming up. We just talked about salmon and the importance of, to what, a hundred and, what did she say, a hundred and thirty other species or eighty other species? Yeah, depending on them, depending yeah. Depending on, yeah. Uh, Earth Day is not to be trifled with. Absolutely not. As you said in the segment about salmon, we all have some personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And there are things each of us can do to help reduce food waste, which tragically now equals one-third of the food that is produced. So not only is the food getting wasted, but all of the energy and resources that go into producing Mm -hmm. that food. We can each do it by the way we control how we shop and cook and eat. And I'm going to need your help because there are a couple of these ideas that I struggle with. But you'll see that there are so many resources online to inspire you with the 10 top ways. First thing, put three bags tote in your trunk. What? (laughs) Oh, for shopping. Exactly. Yes. You mean what? Start with that. And that's already making a big change by going to the grocery store and not getting plastic bag or, or, or even cardboard bag or Whatever that's made out of. Not to get off topic with you, Chef, but you pay a nickel for those bags, and they're the perfect compost bag in your kitchen compared to buying I know, but bags the problem for, by buying is you're creating oh, compost. Oh, and adding can, to I, the compost. I can argue that forever. The point is not to buy things that can be recycled. The point is to not recycle. I All love right. that one. What was on your list, the first thing on your list? Don't peel your produce, or if you are going to peel your produce, use your peels. There's a lot of wonderful recipes for how those can be sautéed and seasoned um, to add to the texture of a dish. Just make a stock. I use, or make if you're going to peel a vegetable, Perfect. put it in a Ziploc bag, put it in the freezer. Once you have enough of everything, all the stems from your parsley, the stem from all your herbs, everything, put everything, the bones from your chicken you ate, keep the bones, put them in a, in a bag in your freezer. Once you have a bag big enough, you put that in a pot, you throw some water on it. Perfect. In 45 minutes, you have a wonderful chicken stock. Or vegetable. Number two, 
in if when in doubt freeze your food so the we freezers have been in and out of fashion you know as a food prepara- uh, preservation technique but it real there it's good for your food it saves your food if you know you're not going to eat both pork chops just get it in the freezer and um, it they stay and maintain their health and their structure so freezers important um, plan your meals so you're not just wasting and you know buying extra stuff plan your shopping plan your meals I haven't gotten there yet we're going to do a segment about it though and the best time to plan your meal is just after you ate <laughs> when you're full when you're full not when you're empty but when there is full. a good day one day a week you should just cook out of the fridge and just use yeah. stuff up Well, yeah. give me your magic uh, recipe. It, is there is no magic. You just, whatever's all. there, you figure it out from what's in there rather than stopping at the store. It doesn't necessarily mean everything has to be a soup, in no, other words. No, 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 absolutely not. You can use a leftover roasted chicken to put in a salad. Half an avocado that's been looking at you like, come on, use me. The top is a little bit brown. You take a knife, you get rid of that. You dice the avocado, you mix it with some cold chicken. You throw in that, that jar of bell peppers, you have roasted bell peppers from Trader Joe's in your cupboard. You just take that and you mix that with that. A little bit of cilantro, you have that. If you don't use it today, it's going to go to crap. Use that, chop it, put it into the salad. You have a wonderful lunch salad for you. Squeeze a little lemon on top of that, that half lemon that is also looking at you like, come on, and <laughs> use me. The ones that your wife puts in there without covering them, just oh unattended. Oh, Yeah, uh, you put a lemon or half lemon or half of anything in the fridge. Just cover it. And you don't have to use plastic wrap. You can use a sandwich bag. Just put it in there. That is don't. plastic wrap stuff. Use like a Tupperware or something yeah, like that. Tupperware, yeah, Tupperware, whatever. But the point That's is... plastic wrap too. Don't just use. put a half... Don't put a half of something in the fridge. There's a new new silicon sheets, reusable, that are vegetable huggers that come in the shape of the vegetables, of the lemons and the avocados. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, yet. I like it. It's, it hugs the vegetable and keeps the oxygen <sighs> up. But I want to talk about taking care of your greens, because this is something that I'm struggling with. I don't know if I have wrong moisture in my refrigerator. Last week I bought the most beautiful, abundant mustard greens at PCC, you know, frilly, crisp. Uh, three hours in the refrigerator and I lost them and they diminished. And so I've been trying to wrap them in my cotton towels and putting them lower, but please advise. Well, if okay. you're going to wrap them in the towels, you have to wash them first so that their towels are moist. And, oh, yeah, and then correct. My whole butt. In some sort of bag, Ziploc or something is how they'll stay. And for me, I have a back porch. In Leave case you haven't noticed, Seattle is damn cold every night, close to freezing in some places. You just keep it outside in a bucket of water. You cut the stem off by an eighth of an inch. You put them in water and you keep them outside. It will keep Much better than anywhere you have in your house. That's where those cold cupboards come from, the pantry, outdoor right. pantries. That's right. That's where the cellar come from. That's where all those things come from. You know, it's a great place to keep it, and it will be better than in your refrigerator. The problem with refrigerator, there is no circulation in home refrigerator. So the, the air is pretty stale, and it, it just basically keeps on killing whatever you have in there. So, you know, put it in a bag. That's number one. Put it in a bag if you don't want to put it outside in your vegetable drawer. But second of all, if you can, just sit it in a, in a bucket, in a, in a container outside with some water, just like you would flour, just like you would anything, or fresh herbs. 
you know, I get chives. I get tons of chives in my garden, so I cut big batches at a time. I bring it down, and I put it into a, a water, put it on my windowsill, and I use it for the next three, four, five days. It lasts much longer than in the refrigerator. I just did that with, the, you know, that beautiful rooted watercress they sell in the store. Yeah. It took the tops off and then just re planted or, or put in a glass of water, mm-hmm. that little soil clod. And I, I have sprouts. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. It's amazing. <laughs> a but little water usually goes a long way. Now let's go to bananas, potatoes, and onions. Potatoes and onions. Same onion. thing. You leave them on the counter, and they will be more than fine. They don't need to be refrigerated. For a week. Oh, yeah, for more than a week. Mm. They start to the butt out, eye up I know, minor yeah. butting well, yeah, I mean, too you, quickly. You shouldn't buy onions for the next two months. You should buy onions... Just like everything else, you should buy it weekly for your vegetable at least. So, yes, your onion will be fine for a week. Your bananas, however, uh, you have to be picking them for when you want to eat them. So if you pick them, if you want to eat bananas tomorrow, you got to buy them ripe. But if you don't, buy them slightly on the ripe and keep them on the counter or put them in a brown bag, paper bag, and they will ripen very quickly and very fast. Within two, three days, they will be ripe. So the, the, the three... Um Main premises to remember, not only on Earth Day, but every day. Prevent um, food waste by uh, storing your food optimally and using every edible part and planning meals ahead of time. Inspire uh, everyone around you to waste less. Kids, kids, kids. Kids, kids, kids. And repurpose by giving a second life to ingredients that more commonly go to waste. There you go. Inspire, repurpose. It's your job. It's your purpose. Happy Earth Day. um, Buy a copy of Diet for a Small Planet. It was written 50 years ago, and Frances Morlapay has just re released a 50th anniversary edition with her daughter, and it has the best vegetable recipes ever. All right, we've got another full hour of deliciousness coming your way here on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Welcome back to the Hot Stove Society Show. That was a nice uh, interlude that we had there. Absolutely. You know, everyone here in the house just got a glass of red wine from... Uh, Duke and Heather, now they're getting a cookie from Tiffany, and they've already had breakfast and coffee. It's amazing. My goodness, Ooh. this is a... This is a fun place. I think I'm going to I'm gonna come to this show every week. I know, you should. Uh, in our next hour, we're going to uh, welcome Tiffany Lewis uh, and her cookies. We're going to talk uh, how to use up some things in your fridge. Again, in honor of Earth Day, don't be throwing stuff away. Like, when you get a marinated cheese, say that chef that we both love... It comes in a big jar of of oil with peppercorns and thyme. Save it for the segment. Yeah. Well, we don't, need to, don't waste it. Use it. We need so to tell them why they need to stay on. Yeah, one of the tricks about using other th- all the things like pickle brine and things like that in, in um, your cooking. Uh, also, we're going to finish the hour with uh, Food for Thought, Rub with Love, Tasty Trivia. Welcome, Tiffany Lewis. Thank you. You nice. have a company called... Cookies with Tiffany, and uh, they're scratch-made, Seattle Wah, 
Every day is a good day for a cookie. True. What did you say? Yes. Uh, Every day. I don't, yes. know, I don't know of a bad day for cookies. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, and I always say to people, like, uh, they come to the farmer's market. They're like, how's your day going? I'm like, it's great. I'm surrounded by cookies. Like, how can my day not be good when exactly. I'm surrounded by cookies? And if it's not good, I just have a cookie. And it's amazing how that cookie, that nostalgia of a cookie can really just turn your day around. So. so do you still eat cookie every day? Of course I do. Yes. How do you say so skinny? Are you French or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all about balance, right? It's about balance. And I think that goes with anything that you're eating, whether it's savory or sweet. It's all about balance, enjoying, indulging, using great ingredients and great products that you feel good about. And if you use great products, I feel like a little bit goes a long ways. You're not masking that genuine flavor of a, a butter that's local or toffee that's homemade here in Seattle, Washington. I mean, it's so incredible to be able to to support my neighbors as well and use these great ingredients. So a little are bit. You, just, are you saying what I don't want to hear? We can only have one. I, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying you you do you. But uh, you know, Julia you know. said Julia Child said everything in moderation, Chef. Yep, including moderation. It's Especially. true. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I love that quote. It's uh, a let's great go one. back to what you just said, which is uh, something you know we're pretty well known for a thing called uh, triple coconut cream pie, and it's always fascinated me why people get worked up about it because it's coconut cream pie. And then I you, you go to the and you go to the store and you buy like a Pepperidge Farm version or you go to Denny's and have a Denny's version or whatever and you realize what's even though our pie has what pe people perceive as less coconut flavor, you know, people say to me all the I don't even like coconut and I love that pie. I think what you said about ingredients is really there. I think our bodies are in tune enough to recognize When you get something in your mouth, it's like, this is real food. This is a yes. real ingredient. It's not copper tone sun lotion, coconut flavor, right. right? And so I do think that that's part of what's going on in people's mouths is that they're recognizing real cream, real coconut milk, right? Uh, so... Congratulations for figuring that out. Thank you. And I agree. I mean, I think is you go somewhere and it's the people always say our cookies aren't too sweet. It's the right amount. The vanilla, we use pure vanilla. It costs more to use excellent, you know, local ingredients, but it's worth it. Like, and again, and, and one goes a long way. Yes. And you're giving back in so many other ways too. So it's a gift that keeps giving, right? That pure vanilla, that butter, the toffee, the habanero sea salt that we're sourcing from a local vendor at the Ballard Farmer's Market. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a canned spring meals flour that we're using. It's amazing. So there's really incredible ingredients that we can source locally. And when you try that, you taste the difference. And I think that's really what sets us apart. And what makes our cookies so delicious is that we go that extra mile. We pay that extra price. It's worth it in every bite. You know, Chef, I don't know if you remember when we had uh, Robin from uh, Hello Robin. Hello, Hello Robin, yeah. Hello Robin's Cookies on a couple years back. And uh, she and I got into a brouhaha about, I mean, friendly, of course, sure. about the amount. Like, more isn't necessarily better. So if you have a chocolate chip cookie that has, let's say, 25% chocolate chips compared to the rest of the cookie, a 50% chocolate chip cookie isn't necessarily better. Uh, unlike my friend Emerald, good for him, but he uh, was like, bam, I'm going to take it up a notch. I'm going to add more garlic, add more chili, right? I think that there's a charm in a perfectly balanced cookie. And Robin and I went round and round about this, but it sounds like you're in my camp on this. Yeah, I think sometimes less is more too, but if you're using those, like I said, those great ingredients, you don't need a lot, right? right. You just use a little bit, it goes a long way as you taste the difference. Um, 
yeah, I obsess over that. Like I, I geek out over that. I read cookbooks for fun. That's what's on the bedside table is like a stack of books. And I just love reading techniques and flavor profiles. And, and also like, like you enjoy cooking in this season. I love baking in this season. I mean, that's so fun for us to take fresh local strawberries and dehydrate them and make a Wimbledon cookie, which is in tribute to Wimbledon during July and, and to make a blueberries and cream cookie. And just, it's so much fun to do that. Right. And like, have fun in the kitchen. Stand out. You you have your classics, like you're trying our s'more and our toffee, which are amazing. That s'more cookie as well, a percentage of proceeds go to a Swedish hospital. And our celebration cookie, a percentage goes to Children's Hospital, their pet therapy program, which is amazing. I love dogs. And I volunteered at Children's for a very long time, um, way back when. So it's so special that we get to have a signature line, but then we get to have fun and kind of align with the season at hand, which I think goes back to my culinary background um, and working in the savory side. So it's fun. I love cooking. I love baking. Cookies with Tiffany is all about celebrating the nostalgia of a cookie, creating the best cookie you can get your hands on, and having that incredible chew, the taste that leaves a lasting impression. And then we ship nationwide, so it's something that you're proud to gift and receive. So I have one question. Does yeah. it come in a blue box? It does not come in a blue box. <laughs> just just ask I know. Just I thought about you. that way oh, back oh, when. I thought when about I, that first oh, thing. My, it took me a minute. My, my legal team was like, we got to be a little bit careful here. Yeah. So, um, you know, there is the refinement. There's a bow on the box. It's a nice packaging. Um, we want to leave that impression because we do corporate gifting and catering and all that. But at the end of the day, it's a cookie. It's a cookie. But we want to make the best a cookie. A darn good cookie. Darn good cookie. So uh, Let's go back to that for one second cookies with tiffany yes, yes. what does that mean well you know of course cookies by tiffany would be more typical yes. at tiffany would be even better yeah. yes yes exactly <laughs> um well you know with is very purposeful so we started our company during the pandemic i lost my job like so many people and i pivoted and i've always been obsessed with cookies i used to be in corporate marketing way back in the day and i actually left corporate marketing for culinary school in Los Angeles because I moved to Ohio for a job, didn't know anyone, and I made cookies every single weekend, and I bring them to like work. Ted Lasso. What, sorry? Like Ted Lasso. Yes. Yeah. Ted Lasso, yeah. Yeah, and so I bring cookies to work every Monday. It gave me something to do on the weekend, and it's amazing how many friends you can make when you simply offer them a cookie. <laughs> yeah. And so the next thing you know, I was in Ohio by myself, didn't know anyone, and I had this whole community around me and that was excited about our cookies. And so when, you know, the pandemic happened and I realized people need community, people need nostalgia, they need comfort, they need joy. To me, that's a cookie. So the with is all about coming together with others, a cookie in hand. It's actually quite metaphoric, if you may, right? A cookie. So yes, we can all go home and eat a cookie, but it's a lot more fun to share a cookie with others or to share a cookie with an entire With a lot room. of others. Yes, exactly. I see a lot of empty plates. That's a really good sign. Um, so that's why it's with. It's about coming together with others, sharing a cookie over the nostalgia. Okay, when we come back, we're going to have some tips for you from Tiffany about uh, how to be a better home cookie baker and, and also where you can buy her cookies. And to Robin, who I know listens to our show sometimes, I love your cookies. <laughs> Don't you worry. Me too. <laughs> we had a bake-off, you know. Uh, more with Tiffany when we come back on the Hot Stove Society show, Cairo Radio, 97.3 FM. All about my dough. 
Take one to the head. Now it's time to go. Cause I'm all about my chips. All about my dough. If you like them like I like them, well, grab one and hit the floor. And it's diet and diet and diet and diet. And sure is a rough way to die. So pass me a carrot stick. Peel me a prune. Glass of skim milk and that's We're in the kitchen with Tiffany. Tiffany Lewis of Cookies with Tiffany. Uh, every day is a good day for a cookie. And Tiffany, we talked a little bit about um, cooking or cookies with Tiffany. We talked about your company and your your warmth and your uh, how cookies speak to everyone, especially when you want to make friends. You can always make a friend with a cookie. Uh, tell us a little bit about your your tr- uh, process of getting to the perfect cookie so that the home baker who maybe makes cookies, what, three, four times a year, uh, sometimes for the holidays, you know, sometimes an Easter iced cookie, but just not super often. Or when they do make them, it's coming off the bag of a Toll House uh, chocolate morsels. Sure. Uh, Tell us about your process of, of perfecting the cookie and what makes yours as good as any? Absolutely. I've got some great tips. So my three way test for the perfect cookie is it has to chew good, taste good and look good, mm-hmm. right? So that's my three-way test. So when you look at that and you kind of go into the R&D kitchen for a home baker, you want to use the best ingredients that you can find. So you want to use a full-fat butter. We're not using margarine. You want to use eggs that are delicious. You want to use pure vanilla. You want to use the best flour you can find, the best chocolate chips you can find, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the most important thing is just use the best ingredients. Let the ingredients speak for themselves. Right? That's as simple as that. Um, And then the chew, I have some great little tips for that. So one of my favorite tips is the power of extra egg yolk. Mm. And so the yolk, as we know here, I'm surrounded by some incredible chefs here. I mean, I I don't need to teach you anything because you already know this. But this is a fun tip for our home bakers is that the chew in a cookie, a lot of that actually comes from your yolk. The white in a cookie often comes in a little bit more spread and a little bit more crispiness, so a little bit around the edge. Now, of course, if you look at the R&D, you think about your white sugar versus your brown sugar. We don't need to get technical. Let's just have fun. We're making cookies. Let's not overthink this, right? But add in an extra yolk, um, large Mm -hmm. eggs. I add in one extra egg yolk and it will add such an incredible depth of flavor and chew to your cookie. I think that alone will really stand out. And then looks, right? So think about the finishing touch. So maybe it's a little bit of Maldon sea salt to finish your chocolate chip. Or on our our seasonal cookie, we have a new cookie every month. We're doing a lemon doodle. So think about freshly zesting some lemon, maybe a little bit of sugar with that. You can make a little lemon sugar. So little things like that can really take an everyday cookie to the next level. And as as far as like a recipe, there are so many great recipes out there. But if you use your great ingredients and you use you know a lot of patience and love and attention to detail and you set that timer and all those little things add up you're going to have a great cookie and and the best part is if it doesn't turn out you can go back and kind of tweak it a little bit and add in different flavors so those are some of my favorite tips if it doesn't turn out it's still very good to eat yes (laughs) especially out of the oven it is and if it's a little toasty you can kind of crumble it up make a cookie granola you can make an ice cream sandwich so let's talk about resourcefulness, right? You can always find a place for that cookie. Um, and some people like a chewy cookie. Some people like a crispy cookie. With your yogurt so. in the morning instead of 
you know, starving through breakfast. Well, granola basically is an oatmeal it's cookie. Like cookie. <laughs> That's yeah. It is. Yeah. It's so sweet, uh, most of them. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And your happiness counts for something, right? Mm-hmm. So a little cookie for breakfast never hurt anybody. Just everything right. in moderation. You can't look at it as a cookie. you got to look at substance, you know. Yes. You, you a treat. Yeah. Yes. Also, let's go back to your, your, your top three things there, because I often... Uh, don't care for a cookie that's what I consider underbaked. And I like a cookie with a little brown on it. So what would you say to me if I'm using a regular recipe, like out of, uh, out of a book, Maria Heater's book or whoever, Mm -hmm. and, but I want a little more brown. And I think if you just cook them longer, you've, you kind of, you change the nature of that cookie completely. Whereas if, in my mind, if I'm just cooking that a little bit higher temperature, I can still keep my little bit rare center and get some of the brown. Right. Have you ever that's thought what, about those? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, actually, is you can play around with your temperature. You can play around with where your cookies are baking in your oven, higher, lower. You can play around with the baking sheet that you're using. You can play around. So I would say I would do a higher temper temperature for a shorter amount of time, mm-hmm. and that'll get your nice brown color. Go a little bit ta- higher in the oven. That'll get a little bit more brown on, on top. On the dome of the cookie. Sprinkle, yeah. sh- mm-hmm. sprinkle sugar, on very fine sugar on top. That will help caramelize very quickly. Uh-huh. That's a good crisp tip. Up, that will crisp up very quickly. That's uh-huh. a great tip. But it, it's kind of the thing about baking, which is fun. And yes, it's very precise and there's a structure you can't just like kind of ad lib as you go. But the great thing is as well is that there's so many resources out there and tips. And you can just look at the television. You can look at cookbooks and get inspiration for how people are adding things or how they're adding things to cookies, but how they're adorning cookies too, right? And you're then, a cook. Yeah, but bakers don't do that, but cooks do. Yes, yes, you're right. Cooks, and that's the fun thing. Cooks, you can just do this, da 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 da. <laughs> but um, baking, you can get an idea, like inspiration about, like, oh, somebody's using, you know, well, I talked about seasonal cookies. So I get inspiration on, like, we did a Lucky Charm cookie for, you know, um, in March. And so, St. Patty's Day. And so it's thinking about, okay, what is that, you know, the little marshmallow things, putting them in a cookie, playing around with it. When it bakes, what happens? Does it get kind of muted, the color, or does it get bright and vibrant? It gets bright and vibrant. But it's fun to kind of see what people are including in their cookies. Cookie is a canvas. So if you have like a really great, here's another tip. If you have a really great sugar cookie recipe, you can kind of have fun and experiment with that by adding, you know, crushed Oreos inside or um, adding your lucky charms inside, or we have the little, remember those pink and white animal cracker cookies that we all kind of remember? <laughs> I you can still put eat those, them. I do too. And we put them in cookies. They're delicious. Oh. So you can really have fun with it. Um, don't take yourself so seriously. We're making cookies. It's a great way to bring the entire family together in the kitchen in a fun way. And that the end of all of that, you have a cookie. And there is nuts, too, you haven't mentioned. You can do nuts. There's a you lot can, of nuts. Oh, yes. nuts. And you can do spices. I'm using a habanero sea salt in our Mexican hot cocoa cookie, which is delicious. There's also cinnamon in there. Mm, so you can really yum. have fun. Open your spice cabinet. Make a savory cookie. What about like a rosemary cornmeal cookie? Yes, or, please. Yes. Open up, you know, and walk down the snack Turmeric. aisle in the grocery store. Yes, that Turmeric would be delicious cookie. in the color. Walk down the candy aisle walk down the, the snack aisle, there's a thing called nostalgia, which is trending. So it's taking nostalgic things and making them new. So I have a lot of fun walking down the candy aisle and finding these milk duds and other candies that we all kind of grew up with and incorporating it into a brand new cookie and making it yours. Put your stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Since you're so serious about cookies, uh, what's your favorite trashy cookie? 
Favorite oh, for me, it's I, I used to always just be like an Oreo, but now I'm kind of into the Tate's coconut, like crispy cookie. Mm. Oh. Okay. For me, it would be a graham cracker. A graham cracker. Ooh. That's that's my uh, that's my. Uh, that's my a good one. one. Yeah, that's a good one. I really do love Oreos too, to be honest. But I would say my favorite one is the Mother Circus Animal Cookies. They're nostalgic. <laughs> they're sweet. They're so sweet. They're fun. Yeah. Um, and if you put them in a cookie, you have a better balance. I think it's like the chews in there, and and they're just and you don't have to pretty. add sugar. It's already there. It's already there. <laughs> and the exactly. Mother's Toffee Cookie too, which is a toffee biscuit with a. Now that everyone is going to be rabid to buy the cookies, where are we going to send people to get these cookies? Thank you. We have a bake shop in the heart of Madrona neighborhood called Cookies with Tiffany. We're open there Thursday through Saturday, 11 to 4. You can find us at Farmer's Markets, Ballard Farmer's Market. This summer we'll be at Issaquah and Bellevue and Mercer Island Farmer's Markets. Ooh, you're going to be busy. you can find us online, cookieswithtiffany.com. We do ship nationwide, so don't forget that. And you can find us out and about. We love doing pop-ups. So Do you ship frozen or, or fresh? fresh? Everything's made fresh on a Monday morning. It ships out the same day, priority mail, and you've got cookies at your doorstep. Nice. All right. Thanks to Tiffany Lewis. Thank you so much. And thank cookies you. with Tiffany. Uh, let's come back and talk about what to, how to use up the little leftovers in your condiment jars with your very own refrigerator on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97. some yogurt well not exactly yogurt but it has a taste of yogurt and also kind of look like yogurt the shape should be like yogurt some people would think it's yogurt but with a closer look at my yogurt here it is you're right with us in the hot stove kitchen here at the hotel andre downtown seattle fourth in virginia i'm going to remind people one more time of our staycation contest it's incredible. If you send us a picture to me, Pamela H at TomDouglas.com, you're going to get entered into a drawing. We want the picture to be of the stove uh, of your family heritage or the one you're currently cooking on. We'd like to hear what you're cooking. And you've got until May 5th May to send 5th. in the picture. And you what do you win? An overnight at the beautiful Hotel Andra, oh. breakfast with us here at the show, and dinner at one of our restaurants. So that would your Whoa. choices at that point would be the, uh, the New Palace. A, a, you get a thousand dollars just to send just picture, to send this an email to me. A New yeah. Palace kitchen, the Carlisle room before a show, Lola, Curious Pie, Sea Town, <laughs> Etta's. You have a large choice. And soon, Palace Kitchen. That's what I just said. Yeah, I started that. <laughs> one of our cooks sent in a picture. Jacob Foy sent in a picture of his stove. He lives with a bunch of skater dudes, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's just jammed with um, clothes and the doors falling off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, one of the great things about working in a restaurant is you get three square a day. Yeah. So uh, he doesn't need a stove. At That's home. right. <laughs> so. Okay, so this segment we've dedicated to kind of using up some things that maybe people tend to want to throw out uh, because they think since they've eaten all the pickles out of the dill pickle jar that they're done. And uh, what we do in the restaurants is a little bit different because we think that there's a lot of flavor in that dill pickle brine. There's certainly salt. There's certainly dill, garlic. It's where all the flavor is actually at. So what we'll do is we'll take that dill pickle brine, and we buy it in the five-gallon tubs of pickles, but we'll then brine our chicken tenders before we bread them and deep fry them, right? Or it we'll makes brine. an incredible chicken brine. Yeah, chicken brine, or we actually do our cod for our fish and chips because 
That a lot of that pickle is going in the tartar sauce, and so right. we'll take the brine and pickle the fish for 15 minutes before we, and then drain it because yeah. if you leave it in there, you got ceviche. But um, so, and, and if you want to be completely uh, secure and safe to do it, you can just bring it to a boil first. You you take that, you put it in a pot, you bring it to a boil, skim the scum that's on top, and then strain it, and then put new spices into your brine. Yeah, I wouldn't do that, but that's okay. <laughs> well, why would you? Just to be safe. It's called being safe because you put your finger in that jar. It's been in your fridge for three months. It's, it's full of salt. You do what you right. do and I do what I do. All right. That's the way life works, well, sir. I don't know what's on your fingers. And get but. to it now. I know what's on my we fingers. We tend to wash our hands I know what's on my fingers. I boil the sauce. Calm down, boys. Okay, so there's one thing to do. Any thoughts from you, chef? Yes, same, same context of using, for example, Dijon mustard. I, I've said that before. You know, when you get to the bottom of the jar, it's hard to get into it. Just squeeze a lemon juice in there. Shake, 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 shake really good. Put some cracked pepper in there. Put maybe some chopped garlic, whatever you want to put in there and seasoning. And then drop some olive oil, some very good olive oil. Shake, 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 shake. You now have dressing in your refrigerator for the next week. Brilliant. M- mustard vinaigrette. Love it. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. Mm-hmm. No additive, no GMO, no whatever. It's as clean as it gets and it's as good as it gets. I love using uh, my Mama Lil's oils to right, saute Right, because they they're packed in uh, vegetable oil. Yeah, yeah, and it's very versatile, and it's just got that little kick to it, and it's good. It to saved eat. a lot of recipes that otherwise would have been very boring. Right, it's really good to cook a little uh, piece of white fish, um, cod, for example, into that oil. You don't make it too hot in the pan, so you don't want to burn it. You want to get it at medium heat. Put your fish in there and cook your fish at medium heat the whole time, and black cod does really well with that. It's in the really, Mama Lil oil? Yeah, yeah. And it's really, really delicious because you're giving all that flavor added to your fish. And black cod will pick it up like that. You know, one of the things I've been using lately uh, along this line, but maybe a little different, is uh, I found a good cheat for duck confit, right? So uh, the biggest producer of duck in our country is called Maple Leaf Farms. I believe they're out of Arkansas. And they're now selling packs of two duck legs that are done in confit. So they're done, they're cooked in fat. They're already cooked. But they're sous vide. Right. Right, so in that little packet, you get the juice from the duck, and you get all the duck fat that they cooked it with and that rendered from the sous vide process. Mm. And so you pull it out of this pack. Once it's thawed, you pull it out of the pack, brown your duck legs in a pan, uh, and you got to set them and forget them. Don't try and turn them too soon, or you'll rip the skin right off right. of them. But you got to brown them, let them get uh, mahogany colored. Mm-hmm. But all the juices in the pan is where you're going to pan fry your potatoes with that mm. duck fat and then the rendered duck juice, which caramelizes around the potatoes. <laughs> what a nice combination <laughs> with a little escarole yeah. salad, Ooh. the duck on top, the fried potatoes, duck fried Très potatoes. Oh. Uh, oh. Don't forget. There is a reason for that country to exist. It's called <laughs> duck confit. <laughs> a dash. Don't forget at the end, on those potatoes, just a dash of red wine vinegar. Dash that of vinegar is a good idea, right? Because you've got a lot of heavy, cloying fat. Yeah. The vinegar just pops it right out. Yeah. Yeah. And lots of fresh chopped chives, and you're done. The other um, use was marinades. Like if, when you have the time for your fish or your pork chop to use your olive brine um, to let them sit and soak up some flavor. I love that. And or just as part of your cooking liquid. Use the oils and the brines in your cooking liquid. You have to be careful with the brine of olives to use when you cook with it because it's pretty salty. So Very. it's going to salt up really quickly. So make sure you use low heat and make sure you poach or do something of that nature. One of my recommendations for olive brine is dressing again 
to make a dressing, for example, for a tuna salad or for things like this. Oh, it'd be perfect with tuna. Yeah, because you're going to put olives in the dish and you're going to use the olive brine. Some of it. Yeah, no, some of it. Yeah. Obviously, you're not going to use, you know, it depends how much you have, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter how much you have. Just use a little bit of it to make part of your dressing with it. So, like, if you're making a mayonnaise and you mix the mayonnaise, homemade mayonnaise, and you mix the mayonnaise at the end with the brine of the olive, it will give you a saucy kind of mayonnaise, and you can mix with your tuna, potatoes, pasta, rice. I mean, there's many places where you can use that mayonnaise. And, you know, if you uh, get down to one-eighth of a jar left of that mayonnaise, and you add a uh, half a cup of buttermilk to it, a bunch of fresh herbs... Mm. And some and tarragon. A little, and a little, well, that would be a fresh herb. <laughs> yes. And uh, a little cider vinegar. Shake that up. You've got your own ranch dressing right mm. there. That is what ranch dressing generally is. Sure. It's a mixture of mayonnaise and buttermilk or mayonnaise, sour cream, and buttermilk. Everyone loves a good ranch, trashy ranch dressing. <laughs> that's not trashy when you make it like that. Well, sort of is, but that's okay. It's trash with golden handles. Trash is one of the <laughs> highest forms of art in my book. Oh, is it? Yeah, I know you I, and I... I'm just needing to understand that more because I, I use that as a derogatory yes, term. Yes, me Trash. too. No, no, no. You've heard me say it for years. Trashy good. I know, good. but, but I want to work with you like, on that. Well, it's like an Oreo or barbecue potato chips. They're trashy good. They're like not really chefy type things, but chefs secretly love them. Like a coconut prawn. That's where uh, I taught Chef You guys Terry. don't keep that secret at all. Every yeah, but, chef I know has Okay, so a coconut prawn. Food. Let's use that as an example. That's trashy, yes. The fried I recognize coconut prawn. It's yeah. only trashy. It's not trashy good. It's, it's trashy just, good. You loved it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh. But my point was, if you use spot prawn instead of, you know, trashy prawn, and you use good coconut and... Just get over yourself. I am over it. I mean, don't it's worry. like, <laughs> enjoy the trashiness of it. Or, if you want to make spot prawns... Don't treat them that way. Exactly. Right? A spot prawn should be, uh, is a whole different creature. It's delicate flavor. I would never do a coconut prawn out of a spot prawn. I'm, I'm just saying. Just because <laughs> they can't hold up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they're not hard enough. <laughs> they're not, yeah, they're, they're, they're too good for that, that context. Does that explain what trashy good is to you? Enough. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Bon Appetit magazine for the inspiration for this segment because they have a category on the website called cheap tricks that I had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And that's what led me to this idea and right. concept. And you guys treated it beautifully. And then Thank an- you. another idea too, the, the, we're talking about frying oil. You know, frying oil is something that if you fry correctly, your oil can be reused many, many times over. You know, it doesn't have to be something that you used only once. Even if it's fish oil or fish that you cook in your oil, you can reuse it. You know, again, think of things like dressing that you make all the time. You need almost every day you need dressing because you eat a lot of lettuce or salads in your life. If you don't, you should. Even making a sandwich, mayonnaise, whatever, things you're going to put on your sandwiches or you need oil. So those oils are perfect to reuse and add to. Yes, you look. I have a question. You're you're, you're doing a wonderful thing, but I have a question about it. Go ahead. Oh, I did some lamb chops the other night, and Mike cleaned out the pan, and he put the oil in my chicken schmaltz. So do I now have to throw out my chicken schmaltz because... He thought he was doing a good deed. Why do you let him in the kitchen? I don't know. He's a sommelier. He's not a cook. (laughs) Yeah, now I have lamb oil in there. Give him his own cup. That's your jar. There's another exactly. secret I use in making mashed potatoes, which is the feta brine. 
from feta oh, cheese. Yeah. It's got the whey in it a little bit. Absolutely. But it's got I would never how much. thought of that one. Yeah. Oh, your yogurt Just whey. really fluffy, beautiful yeah. mashed potatoes. Mm. Feta brine. I'm going to make a little those tonight. All right, it's time for your uh, Food for Thought Tasty Trivia Challenge brought to you by Rub With Love Spice Rubs, featured right here in the Hot Stove Society radio show gift shop and our the winner of our show the winner of our contest is going to win three of those on Cairo it's the hot stove society show 97 Satan gave me a taco and it made me really sick the chicken was all raw and the grease was mighty thick the rice was all rancid and the beans were so hard. I was getting kind of dizzy eating all Welcome back to the last segment of our lovely, delicious radio show. Uh, Rub With Love is our sponsor today of the Food for Thought Tasty Trivia Challenge. Uh, Rub With Love is our line of flavorful and chef-inspired spice rubs, complex shallot mustard, and four deeply rich sauces. Emily, your adjectives are very oh, good I'm today. I'm just working on adjectives. When you have these tools in your pantry, you are ready to expertly season every meal. You can find Rub With Love in fine retailers like... All around the Pacific Northwest and the country like Hagen's Northwest Fresh Stores with 14 locations from Bellingham to Olympia or Butcher Boys in Puyallup or Fresh Ideas in Gardnerville, Nevada. Wow. We can also help you at our own locations at Ballard Series Pie, Seatown, or right here at Hot Stove. Or online, your choice. Your choice. What are we playing and how do we play it? <laughs> uh, five questions for each participant. We're honored to have one of our company's owners, Sean Hartley, today. Yay! Uh, competing Yay. against Tom and Terry. And he's going to pick somebody to shop in the gift shop. So let's start with Chef in the Hat, please. Go right ahead. Used as either a bittering, flavoring, or stability agent, the plant Humulus lupulus has been increasingly u- used in beer during the 21st century. By what name is this species more commonly known? What makes beer bitter? Is that the, the um, IPA thing? The, uh, <laughs> you're close. Oh, you're there. Oh, my God. Oh, you're a wine snob. Yeah, oh, of course yeah. I am. <laughs> Beer and meal. Like, like, <laughs> What's the plant? The plant that grows in the valley. Then yeah, yeah. Oh, every time yeah. That one. All right. You lose hops. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, as defined by Chef August, August Escoffier, the five mother sauces of French cooking are bechamel, espagnole, tomate, velouté, and what is the fifth sauce, which is commonly featured in Eggs Benedict? Hollandaise. Thank you. Number three. I know what that one. chocolate-flavored coffee drink gets its name from the, a city in Yemen that was once a center of the coffee trade? Mocha? Yes. That's a town in you, Yemen? Yes. You My nailed God. it. Poutine, a favorite dish of Quebec... Or, or president of Russia. <laughs> Spelled differently. Uh, a favorite dish of Quebec has what sauce added atop French fries and cheese curds? Fond de veau. Or, or actually, glace de viande is what usually the best. Uh, we'll but take no, it. Quebec, you have to say it in French and English. Um, gravy. Gravy. Thank you. <laughs> We're giving you I that one. I don't like the word gravy because it's... <laughs> yeah. 
What common herb do some ta- do some eaters complain tastes of soap? That would be about, there is a few actually, and people okay. complain. But la- lav- lavender is the first one, and then oh. sage, tarragon, none of the above. I Those think, all taste like soap. In case I like. agree about the lavender, that, but the answer we were going for was cilantro. Oh, that one too. <laughs> There's plenty of them apparently. <laughs> How'd you do? Three out of five, I think. Uh, three out of five. Fantastic. Sean Hartley, a yes. round, solid, meaning holeless donut with chocolate frosting and a pudding filling is named for the pie, which it mightily resembles. This pie is the namesake of what American city? Yeah. I would like help. Boston. Boston. Oh, the Boston. Boston. It's, of course, it's the Boston. It's Boston. Now I we- guess he got the point. Number two, <laughs> representing 19% of the Washington state crop, what variety of apple has a name that means a fancy party? Can you repeat the question, please? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for Gallo. Yay! <laughs> wow, you've well, got them on the your... One. They're working you. What soup is the official state cuisine of Louisiana? This soup includes Cajun Creole, Holy Trinity of celery, bell pepper, onions, uh, along with stock, shellfish, and a thickener. That'd be gumbo. You are be gumbo. amazing. I like, a, I like a before we answer yes, them now. I like how, you know, typically you get one lifeline and he's got about 20. Thank you, audience. I'm, I'm playing for them. Sushi is not an interchangeable term with raw fish, but is a more general term for a Japanese way of preparing and serving vinegared rice. Speaking of raw fish, what is the term for the raw fish salad served in a bowl which originated in Hawaii? I think it's poke. You're right. And finally, what is the four-letter word for the paste made from fermented soybeans and barley or rice malt, which is commonly used in Japanese cooking? Uh, kasu. Uh, oh, hold on. Commonly used. Miso. 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 <laughs> oh. But, okay. Yeah. No, five out right. of five. But if you have kasu kad, isn't it marinated in the lee? Is it rice? Lee's of sake tanks. Yes. Sake brewing. So that's tanks. rice and. Yeah, but she kasu. said commonly. Commonly. Used. Okay, then. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take a loss on that. Four out of five? Five out of five. Five out of five. Yay! Wait His line go. is working really now, well. Now, you know, the hard part is picking who you're going to give your. your Little uh, gift shop rock, too. Well, but only if I win. You have okay, to. We'll see. What, what happens oh, if we true. tie? Hi, Tom Douglas. Ew. A snack brand introduced in 1968 features individual pieces shaped as hyperbolic paraboloids so that they fit perfectly together. Pringles. Nested in their <laughs> Yeah. What strong start. To lead others to a food source. An ant will lay down a scent trail of what type of chemicals? Uh, they, they leave a scent trail of peanuts. Pheromones. Pheromones. <clears throat> what is the name of the world-famous fish market in Tokyo? Gigi Market. Exactly. Uh, number four, officially recognized as its state berry in 1991, Maine is one of the world's top producers of... Blueberries. The- yes. You told me these questions were going to be difficult today. <laughs> and finally, what fruit, sometimes known as the alligator pear, is likely to have originated in south-central Mexico? Botanically speaking, this fruit is a large berry with a single seed and is now grown in do- dozens of countries in both hemispheres. I think it's chayote. 
No? Napale? Avocado. Oh, avocado. avocado. Sean's I was thinking more ethnic, I guess. Four out of five. Sean is the winner. Oh. Way to go. And, Sean, you have picked a winner from the audience to take your prize, to take your stroll through the gift shop here. If you want to be part of our show, you can join the community on YouTube Live at Tom Douglas and Company. Or you remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show on Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. The show is produced by Pamela Inkley. Sean McFadden is our technical producer and our talented Cairo editor, who we just got to share a cocktail with so nice. at Etta's, uh, is Sean Don't Call Me Del Torre. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. We at the Pizza Hut. No. We at the t-